it's, it's actually remarkable. I, I was looking at how he's dressed, and I thought to myself, you have to be unbelievably cool to pull that off. We're just saying, well done, well done. Anyway, it is great to be with you. I want you to all stand. I'm going to say, he is risen, and you're going to say, he is risen indeed, okay? I had to educate the first service. You guys look smart. He is risen. Well done. Grab your seats. It is so good to be with you. Um, it, it's, it's very funny. My, my house has just gone like from one little sickness to the next, and the stomach bug was the thing this morning. Right now, all the meds have kicked in, and I can feel my stomach is like cement. I, I was, where in the first service, I was like, don't move too much. This service, I'm like, let's move this thing. Everything's good. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a, I've had an interesting time. It is, I actually enjoyed this service. The first service, I was, just, I was sweating. Now I'm, I'm just happy. So it is good. It's great being with you. But what a week. What a week. What a week. You know, if you, if you live in Durban, you, you're basically marine trained. When the rest of the world's like stressing about things like COVID, we're learning how to barricade. <laughs> when, when most of South Africa's worrying about ESCOM issues, we're handling water problems. Like we're finding water. We just, we are trained. Like no power, ah, what's that? You know, like we, we just, we trained. If, if you're a Durbanite, you're just tougher than the rest of the world. In fact, the solution to Ukraine's problems is just move Durban there. Those Russians... <laughs> The Russian looters, those looters from Russia won't know what's hit them. They'll try to starve us, we'll laugh at them. They'll cut our power, no internet, ah, whatever. It's just, we will, we, will, we will loot the looters. It would be amazing. I, uh, you know, it's April, so it doesn't rain in April. So I figured I would, um, I would open up the back of my garden. So, so someone was digging out soil out of their garden. These trucks were going past. So I stopped one of the trucks. I said, how's about you put that soil here? I did this two weeks ago. And, and so we, we built up only about 132 cubes of soil just came in. And then I don't even know what day it was. All I know is I dug the whole night. I was with a spade going like this and then a mop, mopping it out of my toilet and then a spade. I, I've, just, I've just enjoyed this week. It's been real for me. And then I got a stomach bug and my daughter was vomiting. You know, I just want to make this graphic so you feel my pain, you know. <laughs> you know when your, your child vomits into their hair? Yeah, all the moms go, amen. All the dads go, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the smell, it just sticks. And then, but, you know, there's so much water to shower. No water to shower. Like, put it into the pool, which is a mud. Oh, anyway, so this has been my life. But uh, I still have a house. And my family is still safe. And there are so many and so much pain. So should we quickly pray for them? And then we're going to get into the service. So Jesus, I thank you for the grace that is on us who are fine. And I ask God that you mobilize us, you strengthen us, you empower us to help those who are not. And Lord, you work out all things for good according to those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And I pray right now that you begin to meet needs, that your church rises up across the city and begins to impact in Jesus' name. 
And God, as we come to give you glory for Resurrection Sunday, I ask that your grace flows on this word and that you touch lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in order to understand Resurrection Sunday, the pain of what's just hit us actually sets us up because Resurrection Sunday is birthed in deep, deep, deep pain. So much pain that that inner circle of friends within them, one of them commits suicide. Another says that they don't even know Jesus. All of them go into hiding. There is so much pain on Friday that the sun stops hitting the earth. It's like creation is embarrassed. And one writer says that rocks were split apart and people came out of graves and the, the curtain in the temple was torn. There's, there's the entire judgment of God on our planet, on His Son, on Friday. And the people coming out of that are so ravaged with pain. They're so confused. They're so hopeless that all they can do is hide. And when, you, when you're ravaged by that amount of pain because your entire purpose, you thought you knew God, but it turns out that God's dead. You thought that your life was about building his kingdom, but it turns out that the kingdom didn't come. When you have seen and you're living in the confusion of a man who could walk on water and he could raise the dead, and you, you've seen him heal many, and you've heard teachings that lit up your heart in ways that your spirit exploded within you, and you've heard wisdom like you've never heard before. You've seen a man who does things that no other man has ever done, and then you've looked into his eyes. I don't know if any of you have seen someone die, but you look into their eyes, and one moment they're there, and the next you can see by a glazed look that they're gone. This is the disciples' pain. And now it's Sunday. They've had the darkest Friday. They've had the darkest Saturday. And the only thing you can do when you're in that level of grief and that level of pain is you just put one foot in front of the other. And so these ladies, Mary Magdalene, who's, who's had seven demons cast out of her, in, in most kind of modern age, the way people would think about it is she has serious psychiatric issues. Our language, she had demons that were literally ravaging her life apart. She had met Jesus and with a word, he'd healed her. Those demons had gone and she'd come out in right mind and he'd restored her and put her life back together. She's there. And Jesus' mother Mary is there. And Salome is there. And they've got burial spices because they've watched as two Sadducees have gone and taken Jesus' body off the cross. The only ones who are brave enough, they're high enough officials, so they're brave enough to get Jesus' body. And they've quickly embalmed him, and they've put him into one of their tombs. And the, the ladies have watched this, and they've gone, we've got to do that properly. We've got to honor him. The last, I need to honor Mary, her son. Mary Magdalene, her savior. Yeah, I need to honor him. And they, they're going to the tomb. And as they get to the tomb, they say to one another, how are we going to roll away the stone? You know why they say that? 
because they are utterly without a doubt convinced that he is dead. And they get up to that stone and angels come out. They just look like men. Angels again and again often just look like men. These angels step out and say, why are you searching for the living amongst the dead? And these ladies don't know what to do. They're so racked with pain. It's so hard to understand words when you're in pain. And, and they say, what do you mean, sir? And he says, they're not here. He's not here. He's risen. Now go and tell Peter and the rest of the disciples. And listen to what happens in Mark 16. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the, the mother of James and Jesus, and the, the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they, like most husbands, did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is profound. See, if you find yourself in the group of people who got dragged to church, and you're thinking on this, is Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a teacher. Jesus had incredible things to say. He may even have been a miracle worker, but raised from the dead... I mean, I, I saw an interview with Elon Musk, and he basically said that we needed Jesus. Jesus' teaching was profound. Jesus may have performed miracles, but raised from the dead, I'm not so sure. If you're in that camp, you're in good company with the people who spent their lives closest to Jesus. Peter, I mean, think about this. Jesus had told him a number of times, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Peter still looks at the empty tomb, sees the linen folded up, and goes, he's dead. And then Peter takes the rest of the disciples fishing. Because you always go back to where it's safe when you're in pain. He was safe from the Pharisees. They couldn't get to him on the, on the lake. He was safe because he felt like he had purpose again. But basically, he was hiding from his pain. Now, you've got to ask the question. If you're at all a thinker, if you want to take this Christianity thing at all seriously, you've got to ask the question, how do a people who are so racked in pain that they are hiding, disillusioned, and can't even raise the faith to imagine that Jesus might be raised from the dead. How do they go from there to within a few months building a church of 100,000 people that begins to grow across Europe and changes the entire world? How do you have a group of people who on this day are so scared of the Jews that they won't go anywhere near people they are hiding from people. And 20, 30 years later, almost every single one of them and 500 others are martyred for saying Jesus resurrected. How do you see Jacques Callas batting with no hair at all and then Jacques Callas retired with a full head of hair? You know, between the two, there's a how. What just happened? 
How did my mate, who looked like he was malnourished the whole way through school, two years after school, come back and be twice as big as me? How? What happened? What happened? Paul tells us what happened. And he says, he says this, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the, when he says scriptures, he means Old Testament. He's digging back into the Old Testament. Just as the scriptures basically predicted. Then he says, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, his brother. Let's face it. If, if your butt was God, would you even admit it? This is, this is James, Jesus' brother. He's going, I saw Jesus. He is God. Last of all, as though I had been one born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Most people don't understand this, but from Pentecost, which is kind of 40 days after this resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes on the church, and the only message they preached was Jesus was raised from the dead. That was, that was the crux of every sermon. There were 19 sermons written in the book of Acts, and every one of them had kind of this line, you... He's speaking to Jews, with the help of wicked men, killed the Lord Jesus Christ, but God, here's the but God, raised him from the dead. 19 times, every single scripture. You want to know what they walked around telling people? Yes, they spoke about his crucifixion, but that wasn't the main idea. The main idea was this, Jesus was raised from the dead. And not like a lame type of raised from the dead, because Lazarus was raised from the dead. Like, I mean, it's cool, but, but he died again. And Jesus raised up some kids. They were raised from the dead, lived good lives, died. Elijah raised some people from the dead. They also lived good lives and died. But Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he got this super body that could walk through a wall, which is useful. <laughs> I could just imagine in counseling. Gone. Through the wall, and back again, next sentence. You can just imagine, he, was, he could walk through a wall, and yet you could put your finger into his scars. He could appear and disappear, and yet he could minister to your heart as a man touching a man. He could speak to Peter, and he could say, Peter, do you love me? as he ate fish with him. He, he was so real that you could never deny it. And yet he was so other that he could float up into the heavens. This was a resurrection that some of us want more than others. This was a bodily resurrection into a spiritual form that gave him power beyond anything. This was an overcoming death resurrection. Paul goes on, and now he speaks really to Christians. He's actually written a letter to a brand new church that is trying to work out if the resurrection is true or not. They're kind of going, yeah, we'll follow Jesus, but is the resurrection true? And he says this, 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. And if there is no resurrection of dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Six ifs. That's a lot of ifs. It's kind of a gloomy scripture. But... But this is what he's basically saying. If the resurrection didn't happen, Christianity completely unwinds. And this is a farce. That's what he's saying. And so he kind of nails down three things. The first one is, he says, if the resurrection didn't happen, we're still guilty of our sins and our preaching is pointless. Let me dive in here. The way we understand Christianity, for those of you who've got dragged here, the way we understand it is this. You either stand before God one day and are judged according to the way you lived your life, or you are in Christ and you are judged according to how He lived life. You are either, what the Bible says, dead in your sin, which means you'll basically die twice. You, your body will die. You'll become a spiritual being, and then you'll be judged by God, a holy, perfect, righteous God, on your merit, or you will die once. You will be in Christ, and you'll be judged by God according to Christ's merit. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you may be really goody two-shoes, but most people who come to this church aren't. <laughs> I want to be judged by Christ's merit. You know what most people say? when they accept Christ into their lives, the first thing they say is they say, this weight came off me. Like, I'll take it by the head nodding that this has happened to many of you. This weight came off. You know what that weight is? The spiritual weight of sin that is held against you. When you ask Jesus into your life, he takes that sin upon himself. It is a weight that is pulled off you and you feel free. If you are in Christ, if there's no resurrection, none of that matters. Here's why. The resurrection from God's perspective, because it had been prophesied, Jesus had said it, it was right through the scriptures. The resurrection is proof that Jesus was a good enough sacrifice for God to pour out his wrath on and be satisfied. Jesus had to be sinless without sin. He had to know no sin in order for him to be good enough to die on your and my behalf. The resurrection proves that God went, he's good enough. And if he's good enough, then the weight of sin doesn't hang on me. It's been lifted. It is good. Second thing he says, he says, if he hasn't been resurrected, your faith is useless. Basically, this is all a manipulation. I'm a motivational speaker. We take tithes as a business. Like, this is just, that's basically what this is. All the ideas are good principles. No story is really true. They're just good fables. That's, 
That's what he's saying. And then he says, and when you die, or he uses the word sleep, but he means die, you're gone forever. Now, you know what happens when I go to funerals? Because I've landed up doing quite a few. I think it's because I'm getting old. But uh, when I do funerals, what happens is everybody there, Christian or non-Christian, somehow believes that that person who died is not dead. I've never been to a funeral where I have some radical scientific mind that says to me, you know what, that person is just part of my neuropathway sitting in my gray matter, and they're dead as a doorknob, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, they're not anywhere. I have never experienced that. You know why? Because the truth is you're a spiritual being and something in your spirit knows there's an eternity. Because the scripture says God has put eternity into our hearts, which is why even if you're not a Christian, you make up stuff about there being a heaven. It's, it's wired into you. You see, the resurrection is true. 500 people were changed by it. Your sin is not held against you. You will die once, and then you will live eternally. The question is, will you live resurrection now? See, there's a third point. He, he says this a little bit later. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who, who have died. So you see, just as death came in through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Has begun, has begun, has begun. It started. Now there are three types of people that I've met. There are people who live in their cross. Let me try to explain this. Every one of you will have a cross. A cross is the suffering and pain and utter grief that comes to every single person on this planet. It doesn't matter how privileged or unprivileged, how white, black, colored, Indian. It doesn't matter where you got your degree from. It doesn't matter how you have lived. You will experience your cross. It will not be like Jesus' cross that was completely unfair, but it won't be fair. It will be pain overwhelming. Every single one of us will face their cross. And some people stay in their cross. They take the weight of sin on themselves. They take the shame on themselves. And they never get off their cross. And they are affected by what he did to me and she did to me. And that happened to me. And they live on the cross. And some people get off the cross, but they get into the tomb. And they, they might give their sin to Jesus and their lives to Christ, but they stay hidden in the tomb and they are wrapped in the antidotes of scrolling and popping and drinking and somethinging to help numb the pain. And the grave clothes keep them in the tomb. And there are some people and I see you. You can actually feel it when you preach. There are some people who have gotten out of the tomb. They have gone, this resurrection thing is real, and I need that power in my life. 
and I receive it by faith, and you can see them. Because when they're going through hell on earth, and it's one thing after the next, and then COVID, and then looting, then lockdown, then, and it's just gone one after the next, after the next, somehow these people just have a grace. They just walk light. And everybody around them thinks that nothing's happened to them, but you know who you are, and you know that it's happened to you too. It's just that you're walking in a resurrection power that is out of the grave resurrection power. That is what Jesus did this Sunday for, was to give you resurrection power. It, was, it wasn't that you heard a good message and went, oh, that was interesting. I feel much better now. Let's go home. It wasn't that. It was that you would hear it, and it would get inside of you, and it would permeate the cells in your body, and it would begin to give you a grace that made you go, I don't know how I'm doing this, but we're good. And God wants to give resurrection power. And you can't earn it, but you can receive it. Rick, why don't you come up? We're going to take communion in a moment. You know, you know how the resurrection power works? I don't know how much it was working in the first service, but it's working now. <laughs> the way resurrection works is when you're digging all the mud out of your house, and you decide to stop shouting at the mud and start worshiping Jesus for what he has given you. And then you start to feel this power and this life begin to flow. Thank you so much. Or you, um, you're grieving the loss of someone or some friend or something. And then... You start reading the scriptures and you feel a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's resurrection life. Well, when you wake up in the morning and you look at the sunrise, you don't know how you're going to pay that debt, but you look at that sunrise and you know that he created it all and he sustains it all and he's going to provide it all. That's resurrection life. And when you're standing in worship and your body's hurting because you're old, And you're feeling weary and tired, but as you start to sing, you start to feel this emotion welling through you. That's resurrection life, and God wants to pour resurrection life into you. But the only way you're going to get it is by receiving Jesus. And this isn't the real deal, but this is something he told us to do again and again and again. He said, take my body. When he was talking about his body, he wasn't talking about his flesh body. He's saying, take my resurrected body. My flesh body is ripped apart for, for you so that my resurrection body could come inside of you. Take this body. When he was talking about his blood, he was saying, take of my blood shed so that life could be poured out of me so that you could receive what? His resurrected life. To be a Christian who lives on the cross or lives in the tomb is just not Christianity. You might be nice. You might even be forgiven. But it wasn't the message they preached. It wasn't the life you were called to live. It wasn't the grace that God has for you. And right now, I think he's calling to some people and he's going, Beloved, I died for you. I chose you. Before the foundation of this world, I thought of you. I adopted you. You thought I'd forgotten about you. 
right now, if you're not a Christian, some of you are feeling this burning in your heart. It's God going, I've been chasing you from the day you were born. When are you going to let me in? I've been tapping on this heart, and man, you are stubborn. When are you going to let me in? When are you going to let me change your life? And so before we take the communion, can I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's a, a sense of the presence of God. And if you, if you have to make peace with God right now for the forgiveness of sins, why don't you just lift up your hand and say, Jesus, please come into my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I see your hand. I see your hand. Oh, so many hands. I see so many people. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. You just pray this prayer, Lord Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross for me and as me so that God's wrath could be poured on you instead of me. I ask that you come into my life, be Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord, change me with resurrection power. I ask this in Jesus' name. Oh, that is so cool. Now we're going to take of this bread, this body broken for you. And if you put up your hand, just well done, well done. This is heaven celebrating. I'm pretty happy. It is good. And you can just break that as Christ's body was broken and say, thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for me. I know sometimes you need like a cum laude to get this thing open. I struggled in the first one. But Jesus, thank you for your blood. It was shed because the life is in the blood. And you died my death so that I could receive your life. And so I take this now. And I take your life. And now, God, maker of the universe, sustainer of all things, may your grace be upon our community. May your love fill our hearts, and may your power resurrect us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. May you have a blessed Sunday, and may God fill it. God bless you.